Well, good morning. Great, you've, you've got the blood's flowing and all that kind of stuff. So you've got your Bibles out, haven't you? Awesome, you've got your Bible apps open. Yeah, brilliant, fantastic. Okay, we're not going to be looking at any scripture. No, no. <laughs> no, we are, we're good, we're good. We're going to look at some, but... Um, uh, uh, okay, I post every, every other week, I post a video online. Who's seen any of them? Oh, that's a few, that's encouraging. Um, and there, I generally just talk for two, three minutes about what God has been speaking to me about. And it's a very cathartic thing to do. Kind of gets that word out um, that maybe not go any further in terms of a preach or anything like that. But I just felt, you know, here we are. We're in living in the 21st century. And we've got all these resources. And, you know, God's spoken to me about something. I want to share that with you. And then you can decide whether you want to like it, share it, retweet it, ignore it. Um, listen to the first 10 seconds and get bored. It's entirely up to you. I don't mind. Um, it helps me. Now, one of the things that I spoke about this week was, so those uh, that saw that, can you remember what that was? Yeah, that's fine. Um, it was peacekeeper or law enforcer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peacekeeper or law enforcer. And I'm not going to go too much down into, into that because that's taking us off on a slightly different tangent. Um, but as Christians, I believe that we are to be peacekeepers that we are to bring the peace of God into situations and places. And we're not to be law enforcers. It's very easy to be religious. It's very easy to be dogmatic. It's very easy to slip into the yes and the no's and the blacks and the whites. What's actually harder is to know how to bring peace to a situation. And how would God respond? How would God work this out? How, what would Jesus do? How would he react? Because let's face it, think about the, the story of uh, the lady at the well, the, 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 uh, the person that Jesus spoke to, and Hannah spoke about her, and she loves that story. Um, you know, there's a lady at the well. She's getting water from the well. Jesus comes up and sits on the well and says, hey, do you want to drink some living water? And she said, what's that? This is the, and, it, and it goes on. Um, but if he was following the rules and the regulations, he wouldn't have spoke to that woman. He wouldn't have gone anywhere near her. She was of, of, a, of, a, of a kilt, of a cult even, of something that you don't, something you don't speak to, you don't, you don't go near. But he didn't because he wanted to bring peace into her life and her situation. He didn't want to enforce the law, he wanted to bring peace. Now there are biblical things which I think we can fall back on and go, yeah, that's, I'm going to hold to that, I do get that. But ultimately it's about bringing the peace of God into situations and into people's lives. Because, I mean, I say that, Okay, but even as Christians, how many times do you feel like you want to lay a hand of impartation on someone? <laughs> you don't necessarily want to bring peace. Initially, you want to lay on hands. There can be situations, things that happen. You know, we're only human, but we are Christians. But there's that, there's that thing that comes in, isn't there? We, we, we lose self-control. So who, who's ever lost control? Uh, you, I have. I have. I mean, that can be varying degrees, so I'm not going to judge you or look at you and go, ooh, you know, you've stuck your hand up. Um, but we do. Sometimes we lose control. Now, it's, but it is important that we do try and keep our peace. It is important that we do try and keep our peace. And we learn and we try and develop because it's a really good gift from God. And it's such a good gift that the devil wants to steal it and destroy it. So when you're beginning to lose self-control, you're beginning to let the devil have a way in to your response. Uh, let me to remind you guys, a number of, uh, I don't know, was it a couple of months ago now? I can't remember. Anyway, and we got a car stolen. That didn't bring us peace. Um, when Kathy phoned me up, you know, uh, well, actually, I was in a meeting. 
And she'd phoned me several times while my phone was on silent. So I, I, at the end of the meeting, I looked at my phone. There's like 10 missed calls, a number of texts, a voicemail or two. Uh, and when I listened to the voicemail, Kathy didn't sound peaceful. She sounded stressed and angry and frustrated, but more upset. Upset. She'd, she'd lost her place of peace. The devil had really managed to get a foothold in, in her attitude of that day because of what he'd done and what he'd prompted others to do with our car. But peace that comes from God, ultimately peace that he gives us because of our belief in Jesus, got us through that day and got us through the following weeks. And our complete trust in him brought us to where we are now. And I'll, I'll get to that in a little while. Because we, we could have gone off the rails somewhat. I remember when we got home and, uh, and uh, when the kids finally got home and, and, and we told them that our car had been stolen, Neve stormed out the back door. Neve's my little girl, she's 11. She stormed out the back door. She was angry. And then she walked back in and then she stormed out the front door. <laughs> she came back in and she stormed upstairs. Neve didn't know what to do with her anger. She was angry. She wanted, she was, I, we need to put them in jail. They need to go to jail right now. We need to catch them. It's not good. She wasn't at peace. But she's a little girl. She's working through that. But you know, we, we can still do that, can't we? Even as adults. We don't know what to do with that anger. Our, our peace is disturbed. But for us then, so even though Neve was acting like that, we, we, we had the peace of God and we're going, look, let's just think about this. Let's just calm down. But we let her have a little ins and outs and the slammings of the doors because she needed to work it through. But genuinely, I've got to say this, I've said it to you before, but genuinely, I don't recall a time, really, through any of that period where I was concerned or where my peace was robbed. Genuinely, I'm going to say that. Because even as I, I, I listened to the, the voicemails and I, I called her up, I, all I could respond, it was weird. I could just say, don't worry, God will sort it out. Honestly, I'm not being self-righteous or anything like that. It's all right, God's going to sort it out, don't worry. He's done it before, he'll do it again. We've never paid for a car in our entire time we've been married. Our first car was given to us, our second car was given to us, and now, ultimately, our third car was given to us. So God, through my experiences, has shown that actually is on my case. And all I could do is go, well, you've done that, so therefore you can do it again. And, and I brought peace into that. So in fact... Said to Kath, I reminded her, what's, our, what's our, our tagline for this year? What's it been? Keep your joy on. You remember when we were at Bethel last year? Uh, a number of people, Bethel, that's the church in Reading, a number of people just brought a prophetic word of joy to us so we can see joy all around you. you know, we can, and just three separate individuals, some Americans, some British, some others. And I'm like, I don't feel joyful, but I guess that's what I have inside me. Righteousness, peace, and joy. It's the kingdom of God, isn't it? So we received that. We took it and we brought it back. So I reminded Kath. I said, look, we've got to keep our joy on. And when Eve's getting angry, when she's getting frustrated, we've got to show her that we're keeping our joy on. A supernatural gift of joy. Because what the devil had come to destroy, what he'd come to try and get his little muggy mitts on, that's our peace. He wanted to take our peace. Actually, God was going to use that situation scenario to build up our confidence in him and who he is and what he can do for us. 
And God did come through for us, didn't he? So those of you who know, we got a car. We got blessed with a car. We were going on holiday to Wales. And we got a phone call saying, there's this car. It's like this. La, la, la. Do you want it? It sounds lovely, but we can't afford it. That's not the issue. Do you want it? And then in the middle of our holiday, the car was brought to us and we went home in a new car. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Jesus works through his people. So I thank the people that, and if it's still any of you in here, thank you. I still don't know. But we give God thanks. We give him all the glory. And let me ask you a rhetorical question. I'm not expecting an answer. It's funny. When, when, when I'm in here doing the assemblies for the school, the first, thing, first, first week that we did that, David, here's the thing, right? I asked a question, because when you're with adults, it's generally a rhetorical question. You're not expecting it. And they all started answering me. I go, no, it's fine. You don't have to answer me. It's fine. But they do. And also in that first week, just to say it was really funny, Ben split them into, into teams, this side and this side, and immediately the seas parted. It's like, you know, friends were suddenly enemies. You know, it's, so it's kind of weird. Anyway, so I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. How often do you feel like your peace is leaving you? Don't answer. Just, just think about it. How often do you feel like your peace is leaving you? How often do you think, this is, I'm not feeling calm right now. I'm, I'm beginning to lose it a little bit. Just think about those times, those moments, those, 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 those instances where that has happened or where it might regularly happen. Because I want, to, I want to speak into those instances this morning. I want to speak into those situations and places where you feel that your peace is being stolen. Because here's the thing. When you feel your peace is being stolen, who do you call upon? Who do you call upon at that moment? Do you even call upon anybody or do you just get angry and lose it? Again, don't answer. Just think about it in your minds. Do we let our peace get replaced by bitterness or anger? So something comes, boom, we don't call on anybody. Bitterness, anger. I'm frustrated by the situation. Because we are human, aren't we? Are you human? You can answer that one. <laughs> Most of you are human. Um, but we are also Christians. So even though we can react humanly, we have the Prince of Peace living inside us. If you're a believer, you've got the Prince of Peace residing in you, ready to help you. Because a peace that, a peace, if you can access that peace, if you can live with that peace, it lives to a life that is fulfilled and focused. It really does. Let me tell you now, it really does. Jesus came so that we can have peace. Let me read you a bit of scripture. So here we go. We've got some scripture. John 14, verse 27. This is in the um, multiple choice Bible or the amplified Bible. (laughs) Peace I live with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And here's the bit the Amplified really adds. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. So if you don't understand the Amplified Bible, what it tries is tries to do is take the words in, in Greek and, and Hebrew and all that, and, and it tries to... Because you can't translate one language specifically straight to another. That's quite hard. So it tries and takes some of the nuances of those things. So let me just repeat that last. Do not stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly 
and unsettled. Jesus is, is, is sending a pretty clear message. That's Jesus speaking, by the way. He's sending us a pretty clear message. So when we read our Bible, let's read it to learn. Let's read it to go, what are you saying to me? And let's not go over those difficult verses. Because the, 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 do not let your hearts be agitated. Stop allowing yourself. So who's in control here? You are. We are. We're in control of how we respond. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. Because often what we do as humans, we, 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 we encounter a situation of worry or concern or whatever, and we try and work out a plan B, don't we? We try and work out a way of getting out of it or a way of, of making circumstances change so that that concern, that worry, that thing is, is, that's robbing of our peace, we try and create our own plan. Well, we don't need a plan B. Because as Christians, we have God. And he doesn't need your particular input on it. He can sort it out. He will do. That's, our, that's your plan. That should be your only plan. Give it to God. Yes, there's wisdom and there's things that you do and, and what have you. But ultimately, it's not about worrying yourself, getting agitated, concerned, being, being fearful or intimidated or unsettled. You give that to God. What we do, we do. We simply abide in him. In peace. And what does abide mean? Abide is, 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 is being with those that we follow. Being with that, that individual that we care so much for. We want to be in their presence. So we abide in Jesus. Because peace is one of the most valuable things we have. And if it wasn't so valuable, as, uh, uh, Jesus wouldn't have said, I give you peace, would he? He wouldn't have said, I give you peace. I think God gives us really good gifts. And, and, and if it wasn't so valuable, why would the devil want to steal and destroy it? He wouldn't give our monkeys about it, would he? But it's one of the pillars of the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. You take that away, the thing starts to fall down. It's a precious, precious gift. Now look, Jesus knows our lives. He knows our, our context. He knows our circumstances. He knows all about our relationships and our jobs and our struggles. And he knows that they're going to come under fire. But we've got the peace that he can provide to get us through those things. You see, because peace is linked strongly. It's grounded in trust. Let me say that again. Peace is grounded in trust. If you didn't trust that the bridge was going to collapse as you walked over it, you probably wouldn't walk over it, would you? You wouldn't feel very peaceful as you were stepping one step in front of the other if you thought there was any chance this bridge was going to collapse. So you trust that that bridge is going to stay, don't you? You trust that the plane is not going to fall out of the sky. You trust. You trust that things are going to work out okay. And that gives us our peace. And if we don't have a culture in our lives and in our church, in our local church, of trust and faithfulness, if we don't have that as a culture, then we need to work out how can we develop it. How can we get in on that? Because here's the thing, when we don't trust God with all our next steps, then we'll lack peace. If we don't trust God with all our next steps, we will lack peace. In the, in the midst of all our difficulties, we should be able to look God in the face, know who he is and what he wants to do for us without any question, without cynicism, but actually a hope-fueled peace. Right. Again, look at, what, look at what God did for us. 
with our car. He came through for us once again. He came through for us. What has God done for others that you're aware of in your lives? Have a little think now. What has God done in other people's lives where it's evident that was him working, that was him sorting stuff out? Have a little think. And if you remember, um, Kathy talked about testimony a few weeks ago, didn't she? A couple of weeks ago. Testimonies are really powerful in helping you remember what God has done in situations that seemed impossible. So think about that. Think about what God has done. I mean, when we hear cool stories about what God has done, then we're able to loudly and clearly say to God, if you did it for them, you will do it for me. Amen. If you did it, if you did it for them, you will do it for me. Let's develop a culture of trust and faithfulness. Not just in God, but in one another. A peaceful life is a powerful life. And we don't need to be troubled by change. We don't need to be troubled by transition. We don't need to be troubled by things that feel like they are a storm. Remember a few weeks ago when I spoke about Peter walking on the water? Do you remember that? Paul remembers that. Anybody else remember that? Awesome. Okay. Well, when those disciples got into the boat, we hear, before we hear that famous bit, Jesus knew that they were going to encounter a storm. He knew they were going to encounter a storm, that they were about to get tossed this way and that. In fact, if you read the scriptures, he told them to get into the boat in the first place. In fact, let me, let's, let's read it. Let's read it. Okay, it's Matthew 14 from verse 22. I'm going to read from uh, another wonderful uh, version. It's called the Message Version. Uh, this is a thought-for-thought thought embellished version, so it's not strictly translated word-for-word word from uh, the original language. But I think it's beautiful in the way that it puts things. Let me remind you of the story. As soon as the meal was finished, he insisted, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed to the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves. Now, about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them on the water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. Do you remember this story what I told you about? And I explained that a little bit. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. In fact, in, in some of the more literal translations, he says, I am. I am in capitals. I am. In other words, I am God. Don't worry. I'm with you. And Peter said boldly, Master, if it's really you, call me. Call me to come onto the water. And he said, come ahead. And jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves churning at his feet, he lost his nerve and he started to sink. And he cried, Master, save me. But Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down. He didn't hesitate. He reached down. He grabbed his hand. He did say then, faint-hearted, what got into you? And I won't go into that. Listen to the preach from a couple of weeks ago as to what I think was happening there. Anyway, the two of them climbed into the boat. And when the wind died down, the disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshipped Jesus and said, this is it. You are God's son, for sure. What a great story. 
What an awesome story. That they're in the middle of a storm. These hard, rugged fishermen. The storm is so bad. They must have seen some storms in their lifetimes. You know, and they must have been helping their parents out from a very young age. They must have seen some stuff. So in the middle of this intense storm, they, they, they see Jesus. They think it's a ghost. And they cry out, ah, and Jesus, peace, comes walking across the water towards them. In that struggle they were in, in that, in that horrible, battered, tossed about place, Jesus, peace, came walking towards them. It's okay. I'll repeat that, Siri, if you like. Hey, Siri, peace came walking across the water. See, because sometimes, this is the key about this story, right? Sometimes we put ourselves into a position where we've obeyed God, okay? But then things don't seem to work out, or things don't seem to match up. So a personal, personal thing of that, as a family, we moved lock, stock, into East End Park. We, we, we obeyed Jesus. We, we were like the disciples when they got into that boat. After Jesus insisted that they did that. We, we moved to Eastern Park because we received signs and confirmations that we needed to do that. And, 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 and so we did and it was great and it was wonderful. Then a car got nicked. That doesn't seem to add up to, to what God has called us to come into. We could have started letting worry overtake us. How are we going to get the kids to school? The kids are still going to school in Headingley. It's a little bit far. How many buses do we need to catch? I don't catch buses. Um, (laughs) I went on a bus for the first time in a year and a half the other day. Still don't like buses. I'd rather walk. I would rather walk. Anyway, um, how much more of financial strain is that going to put on us? Because all of a sudden we're having to pay like daily fares to get kids to and from school and things like that. How are we going to work out this church stuff, this pastoral stuff, when we, when we need to get from A to B to visit people, to do all that? How are we, ah, we could have done all that, couldn't we? We could have started letting life get to us and, oh no, things are really bad. So what, again, another rhetorical question, what things have challenged your peace, even though you're so sure that God has called you into that relationship into that place into that situation what has ever happened to you where you got god has called us to this but man it's now hard and you think it shouldn't be hard because god says this is what we need to this is what we need to do this is where we need to be in that matthew i want to remind you in that in that book of matthew it says but instantly he spoke to them saying take courage i am stop being afraid so here's the thing we we, we need to stop placing the focus on storms we need to stop focusing on the storms because we will encounter them. They're, they're, they're inevitable. Instead, as the disciples did, we need to work on our reactions to the storms. How are we going to react to that? So rather than shouting into the storm, can you imagine shouting into, even if you ever shouted into the wind, you ever done that, been dramatic, a bit drama? Oh, you, know, have you, ever, it's, you don't really hear anything, do you? Your voice is just, it's lost. There's another phrase, it concerns we, but I'm not going to go there. You know, it's a bit. (laughs) So we shout into the storm, we shout, rather than, are we turning to the Prince of Peace and saying, can you just remind me 
who we are and what you've made me to be. So don't shout at that. Nothing's going to happen. Actually turn to Jesus and go, remind me who I am. What have you made me to be? And we trust God and we don't fear the storm. See, because storms that come will challenge our identity. They will challenge the very core of who we are. You remember, Peter is a vocational fisherman, yet he starts to drown. That's how bad this storm is. I mean, I imagine Peter to be a rough, rugged fisherman that really, the, the prerequisite to being a fisherman should be that you can swim. I would have thought, I would have thought that would be a sensible thing to learn how to do. If you're going if, if to be a fisherman, learn to swim. Because you're on a boat with the sea, right? So I imagine he knows how to swim. Yet in this storm, it's so bad, he begins to sink. When storm comes, we begin to lose our peace and we begin to lose our identity. But our identity as Christians is in him. So losing our peace then can wear down our identity and who God has called us to be. We make, we make really crazy decisions, don't we, when we're troubled, when, when we're tired. We've lost our peace. And, and when you've made those decisions in the moment of, of, of emotion and, 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 and being unsettled, it often leads to more problems, doesn't it? But here's a quote to give us comfort. Something I, I, I read. For every problem you have, God has a promise. For every problem you have, God has a promise. Can you think of any promises? Can you think of any promises that God gives us in his word right now? And if you haven't, let me give you that homework for the week. Go and find out some of the promises that God gives us. It's rhetorical. It's rhetorical. But it's amazing that you've got one. I love it. Do you want to shout it out? Well, I was just going to say I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. In peace, I've got one. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, will keep me safe. Good, good rhetorical question, but I love the fact that Sarah answered that. We can think of loads. Because again, I don't think Jesus has promised us plain sailing. He didn't promise the disciples that, did he? He just said, get into the boat. But he has promises his peace. In John 16, 33, it says this. I have told you all this so that you might have peace in me. Here on earth, you will come, you will have many trials and sorrows, but... Take heart, for I have overcome the world. That the, the Bible says of God that when you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, he will be with you. Doesn't mean he will immediately deliver you from it. Doesn't mean that he put you in it, but he will be with you as you walk in that valley. He's saying to you at those points, he's saying, trust me, I'm God. And I've been God for a while. I know what I'm doing. I've got your back. So here's a, how, do we, how do we sustain peace in all the storms that we face? Well, here's the thing. We set our minds on heavenly things. We, we, we take up the responsibility for our own hearts and our own minds. And what we say and what we think. So here's a really pragmatic one. If you're bubbling up with anger over something, count to ten. Breathe before you respond. In our day and age of social media, don't become a keyboard warrior. You read something you don't like, think, do I really need to respond to that? Do I really need to send them that emoji? 
Or that gif, hungry face. What's your testimony online? What is it? Just have a little thing, count to ten. You know, one of the things that, um, uh, I don't know where I was, we talked to this, imagine that if, you're, if, you, if anger is really an issue for you, and that's where you lose your peace, imagine you're blowing up a red balloon. And in that's you, every breath you're blowing, you're blowing in your anger, your issues, your stress, your worries, your concerns. And then when you've got it all in there, tie it off and let it go. Just let it blow into the wind and imagine it disappearing into the distance and then begin to respond. Don't respond out of not being peaceful. See, because our problem with the car could have turned into a blame game of, of various different proportions. We could have chosen to be angry about it. We, we could have let that anger leak over into the areas of our lives. How useful would it have been if I'd have piled my anger on top of Neve's anger? Would that have been useful for her? Would that have been helpful for her? No, not at all. So when, why do we do it as adults to one another? Let's not do that. Let's not be angry, over-emotional about something. Because that frustration and not receiving justice that Neve exhibited, it could have turned into a seething mass of unforgiveness, uh, unkind words, couldn't it? But instead we chose peace. We purposely, we purposely spoke out in joy. That's the power of declarations, my friends. Speaking out the promises of God, but also speaking out positive things. Giving them life. Get into the habit of speaking out declarations. You know, I, so I will see my neighbours saved. Forget cynicism. Forget, mm, that's going to happen and that's going to happen. I will see my neighbours saved. I will see East End Park come to know Jesus. There, will, there, there, uh, there is peace in the Middle East. Yeah, but it's been going on for so long. Just declare it. Whatever, whatever it is, whether it's big or small, speak out the truth of God into those situations. Choose to put your minds on heavenly things and not worry or bitterness. And if God has called us into a storm, he'll always walk with us on the way out. And if we can't find a way out, we've got to ask, has he called us into it? Is it a storm of our own making? Sustaining peace. Is talking to God, making a connection with him through prayer and supplication, even when it's all OK. I said that this morning, didn't I? Even when things are going great, don't forget to speak to your heavenly father and give him thanks and give him glory. And this can be an issue for some of us, can't it? We can forget. I mean, I know some days can go past and we say, oh, wow, I've not I've not talked to my heavenly dad. I've not even given him two minutes. Wow. And, 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 and things have been going well, so that's why I haven't done that. And actually, I'm only running in tomb now when the monster comes and I hide behind his legs. Save me, Daddy. Save me. I don't want my kids to have that kind of relationship with me where they only come to me when they've got issues. I want them to come to me when they're happy and full of joy and they just want to wrap their loving arms around me. And that's what our Heavenly Dad wants as well. See, the Bible says that those who trust and whose thoughts are fixed on God will have peace, perfect peace. And, and that's translated from two words. Can you guess what those two words are? Can you guess? Shalom. Shalom. 
Peace, perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. See, it's, it's, there's not an echo in his word. It's God saying through his word that repeated visits to his house will keep you peaceful. That sounds like that was a good one. I'm going to say it again. Repeated visits to his house will keep you peaceful. He'll, <laughs> yeah, we don't just visit once or every other weekend. We don't come from a, a broken family. We come from a family that is together, that is one. All the way through the good times, all the way through the bad, we can constantly bring to him all that we have. All our problems and our issues, but all our thankfulness and our praise. And he'll never get annoyed. He'll never get angry or fed up. He'll never get weary at our repetition. He'll always give us his shalom, shalom. God sees it all. He knows all of eternity. He knows how it will end. And we ultimately need to trust him that everything will work out for good. Because if we can truly grasp this, if we can really believe it, then we'll really begin to understand what the gift of peace is. Trust gets God's attention. Trust and faithfulness sustain us so that when we go through that, 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 that fire or that walk through the storm, it will not, it cannot overtake us when we have God in our midnight hour. And, and, and we grow in maturity as a believer when we really trust God. I mean, deep down, life-changing trust. When we choose to be led by God, we can be peaceful. When we're walking with him, holding his hand, guess what? He won't let go. There's nothing I love more. Nothing I love more. Maybe there's a few things, but this is one of the big things. We're, we're holding my boy's hand as, as he's walking to school with me. And there's nothing I love more. Maybe there's a few things. It's just really important that, that my hand is there. It's not doing anything. And I feel this other hand slipping into it. There's no greater, there's, there's very few things that are greater than that. And that's what we can do with our Heavenly Father. And that's what he's waiting for you to do. To hold you, to keep you safe, to know that he's there. You see, God proves himself through our circumstances. The more we know of him in our circumstances, the more we recognise his gift of peace. The more, we, we, the more of him we have to share, the more of a difference we can be to the world. Now other people want to know, where do you gain this peace? It's peace in the storms as well as peace and adversity. Do you know what? It's actually an evangelistic move. That when we exhibit the peace of God to those who don't yet know him, it's an evangelistic move. It's getting them to think, wow, they're different. Why? What is it they know that I don't? Are they doing yoga? Are they, are they, are they going through meditation exercises through an iPhone app? They'll want to know. And you'll go, it's none of that. It's, it's Jesus. And you can have access to this piece too. I remember that when Kathy got through to me on that day that the car was stolen, she was, like I said, she was really upset and she was blaming herself and she was panicking. At that moment, at that moment, I really had to be that person who was peaceful and to bring peace to that situation. And I, and I, and I hung on to, to, to God's promises and knowing deep down that he wasn't going to let us down. Because like I say, he'd done it before. He'd come through for us before. I knew he wasn't going to let us down. So I took that gift of peace that God had given to me and I passed it on. 
to Kathy. So just hold this, open it, and see what God's got for you. Until finally Kathy realised that actually she already owned the gift of peace herself. She just needed reminding of it. And she just had to open it. So maybe, maybe you need to be that example of peace to someone else. Maybe there's opportunities that you're aware of where you go, I've not been, I've not been that Christian to them. They've, they've seen, you haven't insulted them. They just haven't seen that peace of God in you. Now is the time to just go, well, do you know what? Enough's enough. I'm not going to be that person anymore. I'm going to be who God has called me to be. And I'm going to bring my peace or his peace to that situation. Until maybe suddenly one day they'll realise that for themselves they've got access to that peace too. That free gift of peace from Jesus. Think about it yourselves at that moment when you gave your life to Christ. For those of you who have, what did it feel like? Or maybe it took a few weeks for you to realise what the free gift was that you've been given. What did you do with it? So me and Kathy, we, we make declarations out loud. We make daily declarations out loud about the amazing things that we have access to through God. And we give him thanks. And, and, and we have learned to lean on him more. We, more than ever, we, we, we want to trust him implicitly. Moving to East End Park from Headingley, it, it, it's a whole different kettle of fish. A whole different culture of people. So there was issues in Headingley, there's issues in Eastern Park. Now I grew up, I've said this many times before, I grew up in Rothwell, south of the river. Uh, always sounds a bit more dramatic, doesn't it? South of the river. And I grew up on 6th Avenue. I mean, they couldn't even be bothered to name our street. It's number 6 next to number 5th. Um... And so I grew up in a place that was very much like East End Park. And I was those kids that would go out and smash windows and ride bikes and do all those naughty things. And we have them in East End Park. Fireworks and, 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 and bikes and, and shouting matches. And, and sometimes there's just a sense of being uncomfortable. There's, there's, a, there's sometimes a shadow. But you get that everywhere. East End Park just has these different issues. But I am there to be that peace in that situation. And I should not be responding in anger, in frustration, in bitterness. But I am human as well as a Christian. And sometimes I do fall prey to that. But that's why myself and Kathy, we pray these declarations out daily. We tell God how good he is. Somebody said the other day, don't, don't try and prayer walk around the whole of East End Park, Richmond Hill. Just, just start with your street. Just... Do your bit. Pray for your neighbours. Pray for that little area. And so that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be, just, I'm going to be taking five, ten minutes just walking around our street and asking God to bring his peace and his Holy, Holy Spirit presence into every household. And I declare that that street will be saved. God is good all the time. See, God is constantly amazing us. He's constantly blessing us. And because of that, we don't any, any longer strive to do it all ourselves. I think it's been an amazing morning this morning. I think the word that God brought to you, Joe, and, 
And then what God did is he, he, he put those things in place to help you begin to understand who he really is and how, how much he wants to engage with us. How much he wants to show us his presence. So let's not ever take for granted coming to church. Because we can. In some countries, you can't do that. You can't even read a Bible. Let's never take it for granted because God will do amazing and wonderful things. And I'm so encouraged by the words that were brought for us as Freedom Church, as, as a local church to this area, with one eye on the city. Can you say that again for the recording? It's an old Methodist hymn, and I'm an old Methodist. <laughs> and it starts, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And that's what we've done all our lives. Brilliant. Brilliant. Tell you what, just hold that again. Can we all stand? We're going to declare that. Yeah. So can you say a line? Yes, yeah. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.